welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Uh, my name is Claire. I was created in the image of God, and I am a grateful, recovering sexaholic. My sobriety date is Wednesday, July 3rd, 2002. Um, I want to say I read in a recovery book, um, you know, why do we say that we're an addict, a sexaholic, or, or whatever we have in whatever other program? Because as addicts, it's very easy to forget that we're addicts, get a couple days of sobriety, feel better, detox a little, and we can forget. So we have to remember that we're addicts, but we shouldn't let it, uh, the, this recovery book was saying we shouldn't let it define us. And I find I don't want it to define me. So I find something good to say about myself that's true. It took me a few tries to find something. And, um, and that's why I, 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 I um, introduced myself the way that I do. Um, I'm not garbage. I have a disease, but I'm not, I am not my disease. It's, it's something that I have to deal with. So that's why I, why I say that. Um, I also just want to say before I really get started that when I came into program 18 years ago, I was very often the only woman in the room. And it's, it's very hard to be a woman sexaholic in, in recovery. I mean, I guess it's hard for anybody. I only know what it's like to be a woman but I'm so happy that there are so many more wom- women, even here in Jerusalem. Um, I'm almost never the only woman. So I'm very happy about that. And just one second. I'm going to just hang this up. Okay. I thought I was going to hang it up. Anyway. Um, okay. I guess it'll stop ringing. Um, okay. I have a sponsor and my sponsor has a sponsor. Um, in early recovery, I spoke with my sponsor very, very often because I didn't feel like I, I knew that I couldn't think straight and I needed, I needed someone to think for me because it just, I was too, too messed up. My brain was just mush. And as time went on, I saw that I was able to think more clearly. Uh, I would think about things before I would talk to my sponsor and I would think, what do I think the answer is here? And as time went on, slowly, slowly, the answer that I thought was a good answer turned out to be the same answer my sponsor thought was a good answer. Um, so that was that that was a very good feeling. Uh, today, um, I often can think clearly. Usually, I can think clearly. Uh, even so, if it's something big, I definitely talk it over. If not with my sponsor, then with someone else from program, um, trusted who I know, who knows me. Um, and, and it's clear to me when I'm not thinking clearly, it's very, I've, I've learned to be able to realize that. And that, that came with a lot of recovery and I'm very grateful for it. Um, I have a sponsor who I trust. That is so important. Find someone who had that we say, find someone who has what you want and ask them how they got it. That's for sure true. But in addition to that, it needs to be someone who you trust. 
if my my first sponsor I, I didn't feel quite that trustworthy with and it was very hard for me to be totally honest with her and the the more honest i can be with a sponsor the better my sponsor can help me the more my sponsor knows what my challenges are and and what my difficulties are in dealing with those challenges the better equipped my sponsor is to to help me and to guide me in ways that work for me so i just want to say find someone who you trust and then trust them don't be afraid to share whatever it is i hear people saying oh i'm afraid to call my sponsor because i did x so there was a time when i remember i would think to myself ah oh, i'm so glad my sponsor wasn't here to see this or to hear this and as soon as that thought came into my head i would i would immediately think okay as soon as i can get to a phone i have to call my sponsor and say over whatever it is that just happened because i knew that i'm as sick as my secrets um i know it's a slogan but it i find it to be true in my life so find someone who you trust um so my history a little bit i want to say um that i i come from a from a pretty good middle class family i had loving parents i have one sister and um you know often we hear people become addicts because of you know difficulties in um in family of origin and all kinds of issues i won't say i don't have any but i come from a pretty good family and nonetheless i'm still a sexaholic it doesn't really matter how i got here the fact is i am a sexaholic and when i came into program 18 years ago i was in tears i my life was unmanageable i it was it was horrible um I started acting out by myself as a very young child. I got older, I discovered boys, I got older still with men. By the time I got to college, I was only only interested in acting out, either planning on acting out or acting out or or thinking about what I did acting out. And when I think about all the lost opportunities, all the missed opportunities and all the wasted money in on school, I I'm blessed with intelligence and without really opening a book I could get C's and B's and that was good I didn't care so what if I don't get A's maybe I got one or two but it it didn't matter to me um and I and I think back now I also just had a birthday I'm 67 years old I like to say that because I don't mind that I'm 67 years old I'm kind of happy about it um I have a lot of experience life experience and a lot of life learning behind me and um and I'm happy about that. I always thought that by the time I would be 67, I wouldn't be dealing with issues of lust anymore. So it's not true. I still have issues and uh I'm grateful that I have program to help me with it. Um so anyway, getting back to my history a little bit. I um somewhere along the way I became religious and religious girls don't go acting out randomly with men so I figured I better get married my addict unfortunately picked out my first husband he was he was probably the sickest person I've ever met physically emotionally spiritually in every way I mean that's who my addict picked Um when I say the most the sickest person I ever met bear in mind that I've been in program now 
for 18 years and I've met a lot of sick men, um, but he, he was really the sickest. Um, I stayed in that marriage for 15 years. Um, most of that time thinking I was being punished because of all, I, basically I thought it was because of all my acting out. Um, I'm very grateful that I got into program about a year before I got divorced, maybe a little more than a year before I got divorced. And um, after being alone just for a couple of years, I'm remarried to a wonderful man who's also in program. That's a topic for another share. Um, we knew that we couldn't go to meetings. And there's no way I was going to get recovery if there was someone there who I felt attracted to. And so we agreed we, we would not go to the same meetings. We didn't see each other. We didn't talk um, until a mutual friend, you know, kept nagging nagging me, you know, this would be a really good guy for you. Why don't you go? Someone who didn't know about us, about me, mm -hmm. my history. And, uh, and eventually I got to a point where I thought, okay, I've got enough recovery. Let's see what happens. And, uh, and the rest is history. And I am so grateful. I'm so grateful that my higher power gave me a second chance at having an, a normal life. Um, one of the advantages I will say of marrying someone in program is that my spouse understands if I have to go to a meeting, if I have to make a phone call, um, we also speak the same language, we understand each other. Um, and that's a very big um, positive aspect um, when you're living with someone um, and caring about them. Um, so early recovery, early recovery, um, I tell my sponsors, yeah, it, you know, we call it white knuckling when you don't really have tools, but you're just trying to stay sober. So right away, you use a few tools. I, I used a lot of phone calls. My sponsor loves um, fear and gratitude lists. You write a fear and gratitude list, you give it over, you talk to someone about it, um, you, you let it go, you ask your higher power to, to take, it, take your fears away, and then you show you know, your gratitude about the things that you're grateful for. That was a great tool. Um, till today, it's a great tool, but in the beginning, I, I used it very, very much. And phone calls, which were very hard for me. I, early in recovery, we were sitting around the room, there were about six of us after the meeting, fellowshipping, and someone was talking about how important it is to make phone calls. And I just got so angry. I'm a religious woman, and normally I, I don't talk to men, um, certainly not one-on-one. -on -one. And I was just, I, I'm just talking about how important it is to make these phone calls. And I said, yeah, well, that's fine for you, but, you know, what about me? Who, who am I supposed to call? And one of the guys there quickly took out his little notebook, and he scribbled his name and phone number on a piece of paper, and he rolled it up in a ball, and he threw it at me. And he said, you can call me. And then a few other people gave me their number. And it, it made me feel so welcome and so wanted. I, I hear a lot of women have had trouble coming into meetings that are mostly men or all men. Uh, maybe it's good that I was older, even 18 years ago, I was still older, and um, I was never a knockout. So maybe that helped. I don't know. But, um, you know, we talk about how, how in recovery we're a family, and we care about each other. And I have just found it to be so true. Um, and today, I, I can call many people, many people call me, and, and we care about each other. And, and it's, and we accept each other. We're not judging each other. 
and it's just such a wonderful thing. You know, for so many years, I had the secret. I was, I was the bad girl. And, um, and in recovery, I, I'm not the bad girl. I'm a sick girl, and I'm trying to get healthy. I'm doing the best I can with what I have. Some days I do better. Some days I, I do less good. But I'm, I'm trying, and, and people understand me. Um, so in early recovery, you don't have, a person doesn't have a lot of tools. Um, but whatever, whatever I, I could use, I used. So it was phone calls and a little bit of writing and talking to my sponsor very often. Um, so I'm, I, I kind of have a reputation about being the positive recovery lady. Um, you know, this idea about I can't, don't do this and don't do that. And I can't do this and this isn't good. So I didn't find that to be, I didn't find those thoughts to be particularly healthy, helpful. Um, I found that I'd be so upset about things that I just felt like I wanted to act out. So that wasn't good. So instead I focus on what, what I want, not what I don't want. I don't want lust in my life. Okay. But what do I want? I, I want to be relaxed. I want to have a clear head. I want to be a good wife and a good mother. I want to be able to function. I want, I, I sit in recovery about, um, I don't know, seven or eight years ago now, I went back to school and I, and I have a new occupation and, and I'm, and I'm, I have good, um, I've gotten very good feedback from it, and I'm very happy with it. And, and I couldn't have done that when I was drunk. No way, no way. Um, so it's just, it, it was just a really positive thing. Um, I think about how I want to have a good relationship with the people around me, and, and I want to be present with the people around me. And, and these are all very positive motivations for me to want to stay sober. Um, I will also admit, certainly in early sobriety, one of the things that kept me sober was I felt like, oh, if I act out, I'm going to have to go to the meeting and say that I only have, you know, a day of sobriety or I'm not sober or whatever it would be till I went to a meeting. And I was just so embarrassed, um, which is a little silly, but I felt embarrassed. Um, and that kept me sober. And when I talked to my sponsor about it, my sponsor said, you know what? Whatever keeps you sober is a good thing. And, and don't, don't think too much. I, I'm, I tend to be a thinker. And, and my, what? Okay. I tend to be a thinker. And, and my sponsor reminded me very often, you know, just stop trying to understand the program. You don't have to understand the program. It works whether you understand it or not. And you're probably better off not trying to understand it. Just Here's, here's what I'm telling you to do, do it. And in the beginning, I would meet with my sponsor once a week and we were going through the steps and I would get homework and, and okay, so next week, I want to see that you've done this. And I want to, and next week, you know, every week, I want to see that you've done this. And my sponsor kept me moving. And, and that was a really, really good thing. Um, and as I, as I went along, I gained different tools. Um, also, also reading and, you know, also the usual stuff, but I found that a lot of the, they talk about acting as if, oh, that's, that's a good one, acting as if. So a lot of times sponsors will ask me, what's the difference between acting as if and being a hypocrite? And, and at first I, I had to really think about that. And I said, well, really, what I, what I've come to realize 
being a hypocrite is doing something that you think the other person wants you to do or say, but you don't really want it. It's not really what your what your mind is thinking. Acting as if is I would like to be this better person. And so I'm going to act like that person and hopefully I'll get there. And I have found in time that certain things that I do have now become, I've replaced my knee-jerk reactions that used to be very negative things. I now have some very positive things. Um, I now have more self-confidence and and more, I can't think of the word I want, but a feeling of... of, I'm sorry, we didn't get to scare you. (laughs) A, a feeling of, like I I I know, like it's okay. I'm not, I'm not thinking that everybody's out to get me or people, people are laughing at me or people are I don't know what. I I just have um, more confidence. I often think sometimes I think what does higher power, what would higher power want me to do in this situation? So that's very good when I can do it, but sometimes it's too hard. What I find that I often do do and can do is I have certain people in my life who I admire um, in different people in different ways. And sometimes I'll think to myself, well, what would this person do in this situation? What would that person do in that situation? And then I'll go and do, I'll act that way. And over time, I don't know exactly when it happened, but over time, I find that I don't have to think that anymore. I just automatically, now I think, oh, you know, this is the appropriate thing. Um, It happened not so long ago. I was talking to my daughter-in-law, and I don't even remember what the top, what it was, but I was saying, you know, I didn't really want to do this, but it seemed like the right thing to do. So I went ahead and I did it. And she said to me, you know, I hear you say that often, that you don't want to do something, but you do it because you think it's the right thing to do. And I hadn't even realized that I had, that I ever mentioned it to her, you know, maybe more than once or twice. Um, but apparently it made an impression on her. And it made an impression on me that she said it because I, I stopped and I thought about it. And I realized, yeah, I, I try to do the right thing to the best of my ability. Um, stopping and thinking. So step 10, step 10 is, is a part of my life. I, I don't usually sit down and write a long step 10 anymore, but I do stop and, and think about any, any interaction that I've had, not just the ones that I think were negative, but any, any series, any lengthy interaction that I've had, or obviously anything that bothers me also. Um, and I run it, I run it through my head, maybe while I'm folding laundry or doing dishes or whatever. And I think about it and and often it'll come up that I'll think to myself, gee, I wonder if if what I said was appropriate or not. And and I then I'll go back to people and I'll I'll say, you know, I was thinking about the conversation we had and I realized I said such and such and I I'm, I'm hoping that it wasn't misunderstood. Or, or maybe it's something that I'm thinking about that, I, that I'm feeling hurt about. And, and instead of being angry and, and having resentment and, and finally just like attacking that person, I'll, I'll call them up or I'll, or I'll go see them. And I'll say, you know, 
Last time we talked, you mentioned such and such, and I was wondering what you meant by that. And, and I'm not accusing them of anything. I'm just asking for clarification. And usually it's fine. There's not a problem. And I think a lot of the reason that it's fine and there's not a problem is because I'm not going in there attacking them. I'm, I'm just asking them for clarification. Um, or I'm, I'm apologizing for something I've done, but not in a, oh, my God, I did a terrible thing. No, just, you know, whatever it is, appropriateness. How am I doing on time? Five and a half more minutes. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so so as, as I've worked program, I've gained more tools. As I've gotten more strong, my sobriety keeps getting stronger. I am very grateful that I have not acted out in now over 18 years. But my sobriety is... Thank you. My sobriety is very different than it was, you know, 17 years ago, even five years ago. I see, I, I see the depth of things and I see how it's affecting me. And I see how my life just keeps getting better. I keep getting, getting stronger, getting, getting more serenity. Um, and the early recovery, I had a discussion with my sponsor about you know, sobriety. So I was saying, well, yeah, well, okay, I'm not acting out, but I'm still this and that, and, you know, I have all these character defects. And my sponsor said, you know, you're talking about serenity. Right now, we're just talking about sobriety. Just, just stay sober, and serenity will come. And my sponsor was right. My sponsor really was right. So hang in there. Um, so working program, uh, we don't, I imagined when I came into program, so 12 steps. So what is that? 12 weeks, 12 months, whatever it is, you graduate, you're done. So we all know that's not true. Um, and but I certainly thought that I wouldn't have any more problems once I was working program. So nowhere in any of our literature does it say that we won't have problems. I guess that's just the way life is. But what we have in recovery, what I have in recovery, are tools to, to deal with these problems in ways that are helpful and not ways that just dig me deeper into, into some ditch. Um, and, and I have that in, in program and I have people to talk to and I have tools to use. And, and, and one of the biggest thing, things that I have is, is much less fear fear of all kinds of things. Um, and I'm just not afraid of life anymore. Um, right. So that's the end of my notes. Um, so originally I was planning on talking for about 20 minutes. So now I've talked not quite 25 minutes, but I think I will turn it over back to Luke. And thank you for asking me to, to speak. And thank you all for being here. Thank you, Claire. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Claire. Claire. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Claire. Yeah, amazing. Thank you, Claire. Thank you. Thank you, Claire. So thank you for your great share, Claire. The floor is now open to share or ask questions to Claire. In sharing, we avoid explicit sexual descriptions, sexually abusive language, and specific places or circumstances. The emphasis is on honesty, recovery, and healing.
how to apply the 12 steps and traditions in our daily lives. When sharing, try to end in the solution. We do not interrupt others and do not discuss. We ask that members with more than 30 days of sobriety share first. If there is time left, I will give a sign and then members with less than 30 days can share. We limit our shares to one and a half minutes, by which we give everybody the opportunity to say something. Uh, Dan, could you do the timing, please? Yeah, okay, thank you so much. And, and tell, me, tell me the time again. One and a half minutes. Okay. In total. So it's, it's um, Dan's task to indicate when someone's time is finished and mine to intervene when someone sharing deviates from the purpose of this meeting. For those who have come in later today, our meeting has been prolonged with 15 minutes. So it will be till, it will be till a quarter to eight. Yeah. So the floor is open to share now or to ask questions to Claire. And please mute yourself after you have shared. Thank you so much. Thank you, Luke. I am Farzad Amasik-Sehlik. Hi, Farzad. Uh, thank you very much for your share, Claire. That was very inspiring, and it came from the heart, and I found it really helpful. question that I have is, I, I've been sober for four years, and by the grace of God and the help of the program, I mean, I'm living most of the time in serenity, and, and the compulsion and the obsession to lost has been lifted. I still get triggers, but the compulsion and uh, obsession has, has been lifted. And my sponsor has given me a green light to, to go ahead and, and try to find a spouse and to, to get married, basically. So I was wondering, uh, what did you do exactly about that process of getting to know someone? I mean, were you thinking about it or were you praying about it or did you do anything specific or it just happened by itself? And the second part of the question, uh, has it helped your recovery? I mean, would, it, would, would you have it different? Thank you. Thank you. Um, as I said, my my spouse is also in program, um, so we we were very careful not to have contact with each other um, until I felt ready, and then a third party intervened. Um, I I don't really know how to answer your question. Um, we. I don't really know how else to answer your question. It, it was an unusual situation. You don't often find, um, especially in SA, too many couples. There are a few, but not too many couples who are in SA together. Um, but the fact that we are, um, I think, had a lot to do with the, the, our ability to communicate. We did date for quite a while. Um, and I did, I asked, I asked him for permission to talk to his sponsor and to talk to other people he was connected with. Um, I wanted to know, I, I didn't want to make the same mistake I made the first time around, that's for sure. Um, and we spent a lot of time talking to each other and being honest with each other about things. One of the things that I asked him was what, uh, you know, what, what's he thinking that as long as I don't ask him that, it's going to be okay. Um, and he answered me quite, he gave me an answer that I believed was true because it, you couldn't make up something like that. 
And I was so impressed with how honest he was that it took me a few days before I even started thinking about the content of what he said. Thank you, Claire. Uh, Monica raised her hand. Monica, would you like to ask something? Hello, thank you. Hi, I'm Monica Sexaholi. Uh, hi, Claire. I like very much to share. It's very practical, you know, because this is a very practical program and uh, it has a lot of tools. And I just want to say hello because I asked you a sponsor like uh, one year and a half ago, and I think we didn't, um, the different timing was not good or something else. But anyway, now I, I see you and you see me. Maybe you don't remember, but thank you very much. Thank you, I remember. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Who would like to continue? Don't, don't raise your hand, just unmute yourself because there's three screens and I don't see it if somebody raises his hand. I'm Daniel from, I'm, I'll, I'll start my clock now. <laughs> Hi, Dan. <laughs> uh, yeah, Claire, thank you very much for, uh, for your share and everything. And I had a question uh, that's related to the sobriety definition. You know, there are kind of two parts to it, you know, the no sex with self and no sex outside of the, of the marriage kind of thing. And for me personally, that first part has not been a problem. That, that compulsion is, has been lifted. However, I'm always curious to know people's perspective on the second part of that, progressive victory over lust, and uh, what kind of thoughts you might have over that part of the definition and what your experience has been. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm really glad you asked that. It, it's a pet peeve of mine that it seems to me that I've encountered many people in program who seem to forget that that's part of the, of the um, sobriety definition. Progressive victory over lust, it's hard to measure. So, you know, if we act out, we, we say we lost our sobriety. And if we don't act out, we say not. But the progressive victory part is very hazy kind of gray um and and i see that it's it seems to be it appears to me to be the part where people really get into trouble because they think well i could just look at this or i could just read that or i could just go here i could just go there and and the truth is that that le generally leads people down the road um to acting out on the one hand on the other hand to tell someone who's just coming in to start telling them, you know, don't do this, don't do that, don't do the other thing. It, it could make them crazy. And, and I appreciate that. And that's why it's progressive victory over lust. You get to a certain point. I had, I was working with someone and, uh, and he had, um, I don't know if I could say whatever, a social media thing, uh, a social media connection. And, um, and he said, like, it, it seemed like it was getting him into trouble. And I said, so maybe you want to get off social media. Well, I can't get off social media because that's where I find out about all the things that are happening. It's a single guy. And, um, and I said, well, you know, if, if you keep looking at it and acting out, then it seems like it's not helpful to you. But I didn't push him. And two weeks later, he said to me, in between we talked, um, but we didn't talk about that specifically. And like two, three weeks later, he said to me, I finally canceled my account on social media because I see that I cannot stay sober if I'm on social media. 
that's progressive victory over lust. Wasn't something he could do a month earlier, but he saw that he could and needed to do it later. And as my sobriety has has grown in in depth as well as in length, um, there are things that I just see that I don't do. I I read. Um, I, I like to read fiction. I like to read novels, um, mystery novels, whatever. But today, every book you pick up has stuff in it that isn't healthy for me to read. And and I've gotten to the point where, you know, if I see they're starting to get into something, I just skip a couple pages. And, and then I look and I see, oh, they're still at it, so I skip another page. So, and then I say, okay, they're not. And I, and I don't care. I'm not, I, I'm not sitting there thinking, gee, I wonder what was on those pages. Maybe I'll go back and check them out. No, they're gone. I don't care. I don't want it. Or if I'm watching something on, on, um, on the computer. So, you know, the computer, unlike television, you can fast forward. And I do because I, I don't, I didn't like the person I used to be. And I don't ever want to go back there. Thank you, Claire. Who wants to share? Hi, this is Dennis from Alaska. Hi, Dennis. Hi, Claire. Thank you so much. I uh, just wanted to uh, share with you two gifts you gave me today that I just, and I'll do them and how impactful they were. And the first one being is I'm not garbage. I love that, how you said that and that I have a disease. I've known that, but for some reason, the way you said that really impacted me. So thank you for that. And the second was, a focus on what I do want, not what I don't want. And those two things today is I'll carry away and pass on to others and uh, start really meditating on those and start looking at my actions. So thank you, Claire. I really appreciated your share today and your service. God bless. Thank you. Thank you Dennis. Hi, this is Luke. I would like to share also briefly. Um, thank you so much, Claire. I, I'm very grateful in SA that people are on all parts of the of the roads and I'm very grateful for the people who are far ahead and um, they say don't leave before the miracle happens and uh, about 30 years ago in, I studied graphic design in the time before the computers but in the second year I dropped out because of my addictions and now after 10 years of sobriety I started picking up making cartoons again and got arranged things like that, my higher power arranged things like that, that I'm doing something now with Adobe InDesign and have to learn it. And, and I, I really love it. So don't leave before the miracle happens. You said it about seven, eight years ago that you started studying again. So, uh, and that you're doing something now that you like and you get good comments for it. So uh, thank you for that. It gives me a lot of hope and inspiration. Thank you. Hey, Felicity Juan Carlos, uh, calling from Spain. Uh, thank you very Hi, much, uh, Claire, uh, for your for this, your share, uh, beautiful share. Yes, I want to ask you some question about uh, service. Uh, how does the service influence in your recovery in your life, in the fraternity or outside? Please. Thank you. Um, so I've. I've always done service. I've probably held every service position we have um, at least once and many of them many times over. In early recovery, service is great because when I felt like, ugh, I don't want to go to a meeting, and even today when I feel like, ugh, I don't want to go to a meeting, 
um, oh, but I have to, whatever it is I have to do, I have to collect the money or, or I have to, or I'm, I'm the secretary or I have the key, I have to open the door or whatever it is, I have to bring the milk or the coffee, whatever it is. Um, so service is, is great. I've also been on intergroup and um, we, I want to say, I don't know how other intergroups are, but we have a lot of fun when in our intergroup. We do, we laugh a lot. Uh, we get things done, but, but we have fun. I, I did um, two rotations on intergroup and uh, now I'm taking a break. But uh, whatever service it is, um, it, it helps me be connected. And, um, and it's, I, I think that it, it helps my recovery. Yes, please. Thank you, Chair, for your share. Uh, in your share, you mentioned something about act as if. I didn't get what you meant. Can you a little explain about that? Thank you. I'm sorry, I didn't get the question. Uh, in your share, you said something about as, uh, as, Acting as if. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like. Okay. Take take a, a very uh, simple example. My son would come home from school and leave his books on the floor. They would leave his coat on the floor. Whatever. And my my reaction would be to yell at him. How many times have I told you put your books on your desk or hang up your coat or whatever? And, and that wasn't a helpful thing. But I could think, I have a friend who seems to be, have a very good relationship with her kids. And I thought, well, how, how does she do it? And, oh, you know, sweetie, do me a favor. Could you hang up your coat? Because um, it's in the way over here. Or sometimes just hang it up myself. But the point is to, to put my head into someone else. Think about someone else. How would this person who I admire in this area, how would she act in this way, in, in this situation? And, and it never came out that that person yelled or hit or uh, had, had a temper tantrum or anything like that. It always came out that they, they had a good way to do it. And I would just do it, even though in my heart, I was thinking that I just want to yell at this kid. How many times do I have to tell him to hang up his coat? But I didn't do that. I put a smile on my face. I spoke nicely, and and I I have a wonderful relationship with my son today, and I am so grateful for that, and I'm grateful to program for that. Thank you, Luke. I'm Rob, and I'm a psychotic. Hi, Rob. Um, from Ireland, and it was really good listening to you, um, Claire. I got a lot um, from your shares, so thanks very much. Yeah, it's Thank really, you. Good to, really good to be here. You know, it's um, I kind of feel like it's the feeling I get from a convention um, that it's not just my small town and there's a whole world of SA, which is really good. I really, really feel um, that joy of being surrounded by other fellows around the world. And yeah, it was really good to hear your story, Kathy, and, and especially just that bit that you answered the question there around um, acting as if when I heard the bag, the school bag on the ground and the clothes, you know, the first thing I thought of was my son's school bag, you know. And when I, when I see it, especially when he doesn't make his bed, you know, when I see it, the first thing I do actually is I think of what would my father have said? 
and he would have yelled, unfortunately. So I do the exact opposite. That's my initial thought. And, you know, so he, he actually helped me a lot, you know. I think my father, um, I learned a lot from him. Some good stuff and, you know, not some good stuff, but um, that's my initial thought. You know, don't just start shouting now. Just leave him alone, you know. So it was really nice to hear that because um, it's not helpful because he's going to do it the next day anyway. <laughs> um, so it doesn't really matter what I say, you know. So I've learned a lot of how to bring my program to my kids. Um, and it's funny, my, my, my kids, you know, they, know they, they just don't, they, they know when I'm in good form and they know when I'm connected. And they know, um, you know, I don't have to say a whole time. So good to be here and good to get the experience and to listen to your chair. And thanks, Luke, for hosting and for Daniel for doing the timekeeping. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. Hi, this is Piotr from Poland. Can I share? Sure, Piotr. Thank you. Thank you very much, Claire, for your for your share. Um, I'm grateful to, to be here and uh, can hear you and your experience. I have a question. You also mentioned about um, that your self-esteem improved, was better. Could you say um what what really helped in this area and uh, what mostly impacted which of the tools we have or did you use something else um my i struggle with this with this part thank you thank you um i think a big part of it is just coming to terms with the fact that i am a human being and therefore I will make mistakes. Mistakes don't make me a bad person. They make me a person. Um, what perhaps made me not such a good person was trying to deny my, my mistakes, justify my mistakes. When I, when I try to make amends to the best of my ability, um, then I feel good and I'm not walking around with this weight on my shoulders and of feeling like, oh, you know, what this person must think of me and I have to, I have to build myself up with, with false pride. And no, you know, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. You know, how can I fix it? And today I don't have, I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful that I, I'm done with step nine. Um, but, you know, today, you know, when I'm wrong, promptly admit it and then deal with it to the best of my ability. And in doing that, so I don't have this, this, this wheelbarrow full of, of dead weight that I'm schlepping around with me. And, and I think that's probably the biggest thing. I, and, do, and, and also in general, I'm just, I'm a better person. I am a better person than I used to be. The steps really work. Hey, this is uh, Daniel from Israel. Thanks, Claire, for your share. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, um, I, I really enjoy sitting in meetings with you as well and having that pleasure. And I always regret in the, in the fact that uh, I ran away from the program literally a few weeks before you joined and went out there. So I had a, diff a different experience for those 15 years that you had, and you definitely are way ahead of me over there. And... Um, yeah, really, for me, the acting as if was, is a really big part of my program. Um, and just putting that right, that first step forward and 
just shake, you know, just seeing you know, all the pieces fall into place instead of uh, instead of just automated, unconscious action acting out acting out of selfishness, which is how I live my life up until getting into recovery three and a bit years ago. So yeah, just want to say I really appreciate the share and thank you. Thank you. Hi, Luke. I'm Carl Sexaholic, and thanks, Claire. It's good hearing you. I missed a bit of you. It's good, and I think we met in Jerusalem or maybe at the convention. Um, yeah, it's good to be here. I, I like this meeting. Um, just to get checked in, and yeah, it's uh, going through a tough time. You know, it's not easy at the moment with my wife, but um, I just keep hoping and praying that she'll have some kind of spiritual awakening or something, and. Uh, it's very, very difficult with her right now, so I'm empowered over that and um, kind of um, I just have to uh, keep keep working with my program and keep things going one step in front of the other, you know. Um, but uh, she's going to wait for a few days now, so it's great fun in the house with the kids and we all kind of breathe a sigh of relief until she comes back. Um, <laughs> so uh, that's the way it is. You know, she's just not in a very good place. Um, unfortunately, and um, I, I, I just got to keep the focus on myself, you know, and what I can do today, change the things I can, and I'm doing that, and I'm doing okay. Um, but it's tough, and um, life is life in relationships is tough, and uh, sometimes you really want people to change, but there's nothing you can do that they may not change, you know. Um, you know, if they're the way they are, and uh, I have to leave it up to God. I can't force change in another person. Um, but I just got to enjoy the day I have. Good to be sober. Thanks, Daniel. Hi, this Thanks, is Joshua. Hi, Joshua. Hi, this is Joshua Sixholic. <coughs> uh, so first and foremost, Claire, I just want to say thank you so much for that share it was uh, very impactful and inspirational um i actually was just <laughs> messaging my wife and telling her how uh you know sometimes certain photos that she has sent me that you know loving in nature have been triggers because it reminds me of my infidelities and how i didn't give my all to her and i spoke to one of my fellow brothers and how like shame has kind of come across me the past few days and um he's told me that, you know, sometimes shame's not always all that bad if you just know how to channel that uh, emotion. And I just want to say, I'm just very grateful that I'm able to have this ability to even just share these emotions because um, I've been 60 days sober now through the grace of God. And it's helped me be able to be more in tune with said emotions and be able to be vocal. And, and it's just kind of helped this battle one day at a time. Um, I appreciate everybody here. I appreciate your shares, and I wish you all a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you, Joshua. Hi, this is Wendy. May I share? Please, Wendy, go ahead. Okay, thank you. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Wendy. I'm a sexaholic in Colorado. And Claire, thank you so much for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with me today. Well, with all of us, but... I'm taking a lot away from it. I do have a question about sponsorship. Um, I'm finding that a lot of the people are that I start out as a temporary sponsor 
And that kind of seems to be my way of getting people into the program. So I haven't really had, I mean, I have sponsees, but a lot of the people are just kind of, my job is to get them into the program, um, help them get the literature and then get connected with other women in the program. And then, you know, to find a sponsor. And I feel like being a temporary sponsor is kind of my, kind of my calling, but how do you feel Mm -hmm. about just being a temporary sponsor as opposed to being a full blown talk everyday sponsor? Um, So it seems that in Jerusalem in, in my meetings anyway, when people say they want a temporary sponsor, they don't really mean that. They mean, I want to try you out, and if it works, then I'm going to keep you. They're not really looking for a temporary sponsor. Um, so I haven't really had your experience. Um, I have had people that I started working with, and after not so long, um, they wanted to move on to other people. You know, I've heard it said the only wrong way to work program is not to work program. There are very many different ways of approaching program, of approaching the steps, and not every way is a good fit for every person. Um, what I said early in, in my, when I was talking, that, you know, find a sponsor who you really relate to and who you trust and work with that person. And, and people who have left me um, to find other sponsors, um, they still call me, we still talk, um, it, it's not a bad thing, but it's just different people need different ways of working program, and that's fine. And if your calling seems to be helping people get situated in program and, and to feel comfortable in program, that's a great thing. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Can I? Can I share, Luke, just one question about sponsorship as well? Sure. It's time now also that people less than 30 days can share. Thank you. Okay. Go ahead, Tiago. Can I go? Oh, sorry. Sure. I thought, no, about sponsorship exactly, like, uh, Claire, thank you so much. Um, I joined the program in November last year. I had a sponsor for six months. Then I, I thought that the problems that I have in second step in my relationship with God, he had them the same. And I'm trying to change sponsor, and I, I relapsed in the, in between. And right now, I don't have a sponsor. And um, what I would ask you is uh, two things. First, is it better uh, to try calmly to find a sponsor the way that you described something, someone that I am at ease sharing, something that I can call frequently? You know, in the end of the sponsorship, I was sober, but I was not feeling at ease while uh, while sharing with him. You know, because I felt rebuked. Uh, and I felt that uh, I was afraid of him. Yes, uh, of uh, and uh, is it what do I do while not having sponsor? Getting any sponsor immediately is it the best thing, or I just do as many meetings as I can until I find the right one? And the second part also is about these workshop things because it's. I'd like to hear your vision. It seems that in SA right now there are the Nicholas workshops where they teach us that we should have sponsors that work all the steps in the same way in the workshop method. I don't know if you know it. Or there is like old school sponsorship where we work slowly the steps, like I was on step three for five months, uh, slowly. So in this, I'd like to have your views on these two things for someone that is kind of desperate without a sponsor. And I know that I belong here, but I need to move on. Thank you. Thank you. 
so as I said before, there's all different ways of working program. Some people like to go through the steps faster. Some people like to go through the steps slower. Um, it, that's definitely both things can be legitimate. It depends on, on who you are and what you need. Um, as far as finding a sponsor, it's not good to be without a sponsor for too long. Um, if you find someone, if you have someone who, who you trust, even if for what, if there's some reason you don't feel like they're going to be a good sponsor for you, they could be a, a temporary sponsor in the real meaning of that word, where you're checking in with them, you're getting, you have some, a certain amount of accountability and, and you know that you're not alone. Now, the truth is none of us are alone. We all have each other, all of us. Um, but sometimes you don't always feel that. And, and it's good to, to really make some real connections. I tell my sponsees to make phone calls, um, depending on who, on their situation. Sometimes I'll say, you know, three, three a day, sometimes one a day. But what I do tell them, whatever, however number I give them, I tell them, whoever you called yesterday, Feel free to call again today, but it doesn't count as one of your three or one of your oh. however many it is, because I want people to get used to calling people and talking to people. No one person can can be everything, and no one person is ever always available. And and we need one thing I have learned is how important a support system is. So we need to build a support system. So I my recommendation to you would be build a support system and keep looking for that sponsor. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Claire. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.